Good morning, everyone. Friends, our first reading uh, speaks to us about the first covenant that God uh, makes with humanity, and it'll be preparation for um, the covenants that would come, in particular, uh, Mount Sinai. There would be a covenant. And then that covenant with Moses would prepare the human race for the final covenant that would come in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice made for us. The second reading uh, kind of explains um, the lichen and see the image of the waters that covered the earth and cleansed it um, with the waters of baptism, a foreshadowing of what baptism will do, not to clean the body, but as he said, to clear the conscience and the soul. And, uh, and so, my friends, that brings us to Mark's gospel. And uh, we have to look to uh, Luke and Matthew to get more details about this time of Jesus in the desert or on the mountain. And uh, my friends, um, when we think about temptations and sins, often they're presented in uh, a very ugly form. And, uh, um, and sometimes they're disguised as something uh, that looks good but is not, and, uh, which is the case if you remember what happened with Jesus, uh, Satan comes to him and says, you're hungry, just make bread. What's wrong with that? Or better yet, why don't you throw yourself from the temple top and float down so people can see your power? It seems innocent enough, doesn't it? Or Satan says, I can give you all the kingdoms, they're mine. And you won't have to do it this way, I'll just give them to you. Like easy way out, it seems. But you see there, there's something wrong with them. And so my friends, today uh, we have sins and temptations of all sorts. And uh, for me, one of the ones that is particularly sandpaper is this idea of relativism. And in that, it says, the theory that value judgments as of truth and beauty and morality have no universal validity, but are valid only to the person who holds it. The theory, especially in ethics, that conceptions of truth and moral values are not absolute, but are only relative to the person who holds it. And I bring this up because, and I know this is just the slang of the time, but you hear, I need to speak my truth. You need to let that person speak their truth. You need to, and I know it's slang, but there's something about it. It's only a skip away from relativism. And so, my friends, the fact of the matter is there is such a thing as this objective truth. There are absolutes about morality and goodness. And a human person can come to know and experience these because God has put them on every human heart. There is not a human that exists that does not have this. He puts his thumbprint, as I put it, on the heart, and therefore the human can come to understand and know truth. One can become an expert in what is good and what is true when they understand and have exposure, but it takes great discernment. The gospel for this Sunday in Lent tells us that Satan tested Jesus. Remember, Jesus has two natures, because I've heard the argument, well, he's the son of God, how can he possibly be tempted? 
Remember, Jesus has two natures, fully human, fully divine. Satan is going after the human part. And so for 40 days in the desert, he proposes things to Jesus. And Jesus does not give in to any of Satan's proposals. What Satan was proposing seemed appealing to an untrained human heart. However, Jesus knew that those propositions being put forth by Satan were not true. Jesus knew this because he's the Son of God. I'm going to have you suspend that for a moment. Let us take a look at the human side. Jesus knew this because he spent the first 30 years of his life surrounded by people who loved God, who knew God, who were faithful to God. Do you know who I'm talking about? His earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. They modeled radical and great faith as example by the way they lived their lives, by how they answered the call by God. They were faithful to God in all things, in particular when, G when God comes and says, this is going to happen. This that I'm referring to is Jesus, the incarnation of God, into their lives, and that would bring great challenge and great risk to them. Remember, they had to flee to a different country to escape persecution. But during that time, they taught Jesus, and this is mind-boggling, how do you teach the Son of God about God? <laughs> but they taught Jesus about God. As a family of faith, they prayed together. They worshiped in a community. They acted with kindness towards others. Even though this world was being cruel to them, they did not react. They responded with charity and love to others. And they trusted God in all things. They lived holy lives. Can we not say that because of this, Jesus knew that choosing truth, the real thing, does not come easy and will have sacrifice and suffering at times. For example, Mary knew that saying yes to bearing the Son of God very well meant that her own life may come to an end. You see, in her time, remember, an unwed woman pregnant with no husband could be stoned to death. That was the law of their time. Joseph knew by taking Mary as his wife into his home and pregnant, and not by him, would bring great shame not only on him, but on his whole family. Fleeing to a foreign country, they understood that they would encounter discrimination and for a time would probably feel isolated and lonely. Jesus also had other holy people in his life to example for him. John the baptizer is his cousin. He was radical in his faith in God. And then there is John the baptizer's mother, Elizabeth. She was a holy woman also. Both were models of strong faith that Jesus would have experienced. So to all of you, mom and dads and grandma and grandpa, you see the message I'm sending to you. 
In this, we can see more clearly why Satan did not have a chance against the Son of Mary, the Son of God, because Jesus knew truth. Jesus certainly experienced faith and devotion to God and God's truth his whole life and knew that a, a person of faith could not be swayed easily by earthly ways, earthly speak, the treasures that this world tries to offer and the desires attached to it. After his time in the desert, which prepared him for his public ministry, Jesus emerges from the desert time and began to speak God's truth to God's people. This is the time of fulfillment, the gospel said he, he spoke. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. For me, this was Jesus' first public ministry. It was his first homily. I'll never be able to do what he did. Three lines. <laughs> that was his homily. <laughs> it was a time for people to recognize truth to change their lives, amend their ways, and return to God with all their hearts. How many people back then really took Jesus' admonition seriously? Was it easy for them to recognize the truth when Jesus spoke it? Were they ready for the consequences of following the truth? My friends, Lent is our time in the desert, a time to really look at the decisions that mold our lives on a daily basis. It is a time to return to God with all of our hearts if we have wandered away. In our desert time, we too may be tempted to give in to falsities disguised as truth, to be tempted to give up and give in to false gods and cheap worldly pleasures and glories. My friends, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to uh, the temptations, remember, temptations themselves are not sin. If so, Jesus would be a sinner because he was tempted. What you do with the temptation, however, tells another story. My friends, these temptations and sins of Jesus' time are still around with us. These things really afflict people today and time and again are used by power holders to gain unsuspecting followers and perpetuate control over them to enslave you. The devil continues to speak specifically through all the different media, presenting ideals contrary to the gospel values and virtues and righteousness. When we think of temptations, we immediately think of bad and ugly. However, it is not evil that does not only present itself in ugliness. Temptation can come under the guise of good, as I exampled Satan did to Jesus. Bread. Is not bread good? But not in this case, it was not. 
the strength of a temptation is in proportion to the attractiveness of the goal it is trying to achieve. It is not only when the path is hard and strewn with obstacles that we fail, but also when it is easy and littered with all kinds of pretty things. Our Lord tells us, Seek first ye the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and the other things will be given to you. As always, as I've told you in the past, the choice is yours. You choose. To believe in the gospel, meaning to know it and to live it out and make it a priority and how you make your decisions about your life or not to do it. Lent calls us to remember the centrality of the gospel and its eternal truths. To remember the centrality of the cross in our life and to come to the understanding that false truths that seem good are a very powerful, seductive trap of Satan. The devil does not appear as a repulsive character. After all, he knows that when you see something that's ugly and repulsive and evil, you will reject it. But if something, if something contradicts scriptures, but it seems on the outside, fine. It even appears to be good. He knows that you are likely to grab it and accept it. So my friends, most of you probably don't know this, but there is a description of Lucifer. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? Lucifer? You know, it's Satan. This comes from Ezekiel 28, 12, 17. You were a seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in your beauty. In Eden, the garden of God, you lived. Precious stones of every kind were on your coverings. Carnelian, topaz, beryl, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, and garnets, and emeralds. Their mounts and settings were wrought in gold fashioned for you the day you were created. With a cherub, I placed you. I put you on the holy mountain of God where you walked among fiery stones. The image of fiery stones is God's light. So this, the person he's describing walks close to God. Blameless were you in your ways from the day you were created until evil was found in you. Your commerce was full of lawlessness, and you sinned. Therefore, I banished you from the mountain of God. The cherub drove you out from among the fiery stones. Your heart had grown prideful because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom because of your arrogance. I cast you out. Isaiah 14, 12 goes on to say, How you have fallen from the heavens, O morning star, son of the dawn. How you have been cut down to the earth, you who conquered nations. In your heart you said, I will scale the heavens above the stars of God. I will set up my throne. I will take my seat 
on the mount of assembly and the heights of Zephar. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Isaiah closes with, No, down to Sheol you will be brought to the depths of the pit. Satan, Lucifer, God does not make ugly. The description is Satan is a beautiful creature. And he was one of the highest. He is not an archangel. I want to correct this with all of you. Satan, Lucifer, was a cherub. Cherub sits the highest. In the hierarchy of angels, there's a hierarchy. The highest of them are cherubs. So he is a cherub. And I also want to dispel, when you think of cherub, I already know what you're picturing, little fat babies with wings flying around because Hallmark, you see what I'm talking about? See the truth you accepted? So he comes packaged beautifully. Great discernment is needed because when he tempts you, he's going to tempt you with something that appears to be beautiful. But in fact, it is not. So how do you do this? And my friends, last night I told you, and I'll tell you the same thing. I am your pastor. I am your priest. I have great confidence in you and your ability to be able to discern this. Why? Because you have Mother Church. You have God's grace to help you. His thumbprint is on your heart. Trust Mother Church. Listen. Oh, yeah, but Mother Church, no, 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 no. Satan was up in the heavens. He was in the Garden of Eden. He, gets all, he can come and sit right in this pew if he wants to. He gets certain liberties and freedoms for a time. He can come and sit in here. Maybe he's sitting next to one of you guys. <laughs> you know what the truth is. You know in your heart. Do not be bamboozled and duped by this world and its ways. Jesus in his humanity and divinity modeled for each of us what it is to walk in faith. A real and true relationship with God. Real love of God is always better than any substitute or replica of truth and love. You just need to be able to spot the truth when it is put before you. And I have confidence in each one of you that you can and you will. You will eventually figure that out. Stay with Mother Church. Stay with her teachings. No matter how much the world pushes on you to accept a different truth. Because in fact, it is not that. It is something different.